Stories of the Bible. Joseph and his coat. So this is Joseph. Hey! You see, Joseph was the son of Israel and Rachel. Israel loved Joseph more than all 12 of his sons. In fact, he made Joseph a coat to show him how much he loved him. <laughs> when Joseph's brothers saw this, they hated Joseph. <laughs> One night, Joseph had a dream. When he awoke, Joseph told the dream to his brothers. He said, Listen to this dream I had. We were gathering grain when suddenly my bundle of grain rose up and all of you bowed to me. This made his brothers hate Joseph even more. And they said, you're going to rule over us? Then Joseph had another dream. And he told it to his brothers and his father. He said, listen, I had another dream. And this time, the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. This time, Israel heard the dream and rebuked Joseph, saying, Will your mother and brothers and I actually come and bow down before you? The brothers were even more angry when they heard the second dream. Israel, however, decided to think about what Joseph was saying. One day, Joseph's brothers were working when they saw Joseph coming to meet them. One of his brothers mocked him and said, Here comes the dreamer. Come on now, let's kill him and throw him away to be devoured by a ferocious animal. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. One of the brothers named Reuben wanted to rescue Joseph, so he said, Let us not take his life. Instead, throw him in the pit. Yeah. So when Joseph came to his brothers, hey. they attacked him. Yeah. They took the robe their father had given Joseph. They hoisted Joseph up and threw him into the well. <clears throat> then they saw a group of men from Midian coming towards them. Judah thought it would be a good idea to sell Joseph to these men. So the brothers sold Joseph to the merchants for 20 shekels. The brothers then took the coat of many colors back to their father and made him believe that Joseph had been killed. Israel wept for his son, whom he loved. Meanwhile, Joseph was taken as a slave to Egypt to work in the house of a man named Potiphar, for Joseph's story was only just beginning. So the text is in Genesis 37, 1 to 11. And uh, it's remarkably similar to what you have just seen in what was spoken. And I'm excited by this new sermon series. There are potentially eight sermons that we're going to cover on the life of Joseph in the next few weeks. And uh, that will involve a number of others in the congregation speaking as well as me. And uh, looking forward to this very much indeed. The account is in the book of Genesis, as you know, from chapter 37 through to the end. Joseph follows in the line of the patriarchs after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the story of Joseph begins in the land of Canaan, well before the time that it belonged to the Israelite nation. And Jacob was probably based somewhere near Hebron, which was not far from the Dead Sea. And then a little bit later in the story, the focus moves to Egypt, 
which was some 4,000 miles away in a very different environment. More of that, of course, later on in the story. Jacob had a large family, 12 sons and at least one daughter. And we know that Joseph's mother was Rachel and that Joseph was her first child, though Jacob had, Jacob had already had other children from Leah and Bilhar and Zilpah. A little bit later, Rachel conceived again, but sadly she died giving birth to Benjamin. And she was then buried in Bethlehem. Now, we don't know how old Joseph was when that particular part of the story took place. But it may well have been that he was a child or a teenager. And the loss of his mum may have had considerable impact on the remainder of his life. What we do know, of course, is that he had a coat of many colours. And as Sarah was explaining earlier, the Hebrew translation is a little bit uncertain. So it may have been a, a long sleeve coat with some special patterns and colourings on it. Certainly it was something that stood out very different from the plain tunics of the working shepherds. And, and quite clear that it had some brightly coloured dye within it. And it's those dyes which were very rare at that time. A special commodity, an expensive commodity. So whatever the coat looked like, it was special, it was expensive, it was unusual. And it was given by Jacob to Joseph. And a clear indication of favoritism, which of course proved, provoked anger and jealousy among his brothers. And this was made worse, of course, by the first dreams that he had. Not by the dreams themselves, but by the fact that he told them to his brothers. The sheaves of corn bowing down to him. The sun and the moon and the stars bowing down to him. It didn't really help, did it, in the early years of Joseph's life. And we do know that at the age of 17, he was sent to find his brothers, who were looking after some sheep near Shechem. And he actually found them further north near Dothan. You can find these places on the map. They're real. Uh, they are quite clear. And uh, many of them are places that can be visited today. And we heard in the story of the video of how his brothers were all set to kill Joseph until Reuben appealed to them not to take his life. And he was thrown into a pit. And then he was sold as a slave to the Ishmaelites who were passing by. More of that as the story unfolds. It's quite interesting that there are three moments in the story of, Jesus, of Joseph where his age is mentioned. So that kind of gives a little bit of shape to the story. We're told that he was 17 when he was sent to look for his brothers who were taking care of sheep. So that part of the story kind of revolves around that age or thereabouts. We're also told that he was 30 when he entered the service of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So roughly between 17 and 30 was the time when he was taken to Egypt, briefly in freedom, but largely in prison. And they were also told that he died when he was 110. So plenty more left, years left for all of you here this morning, whatever age you are, if you're to aspire to the age of Joseph. These give us the kind of benchmarks 
So we can see that the majority of his time was spent in Egypt, and the majority of his life was spent in a position of authority and of control, but that prior to that, there were these episodes when he was a teenager, when he was with his brothers, when he was in prison in Egypt. I want to encourage you to read the story again. I'm sure as I look across those of you who are here in the sanctuary and, and uh, think of those of you who are connecting with us online this morning, I'm quite sure that many of you will be familiar with this story from whatever source you've been hearing it in the past. But I encourage you to read it again. You can read the Bible text. Start at Genesis 37 and just go through to the end of Genesis chapter 50. And that's one way to read it. You could read it in a translation, perhaps, that's different to what you've often read before. You can Google the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, and there'll be some interesting articles or videos to watch. And it's sometimes interesting to read what other people say about it. Always worth checking out the sources. But there are some very uh, well-established sources that have written, written about the story of Joseph. Or if you want the whole story in three and a half minutes then go to God's story, Joseph, and uh, you'll find there a very concise summary in the kind of uh, kid's format that we've sometimes used in church. So we'll try not to assume too much in the preaching, but it will help if you know something of the story, because the focus of these sermons is not on the story itself. It's on what God is saying to us today through the life of Joseph. And today, I simply want to work with those first dreams that Joseph had as a teenager. Genesis 37, verses 5 to 8, for the first dream, and then verses 9 through to 11 for the second dream. I'll just read the first dream. Once Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream that I dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright. Then your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to have dominion over us? So they hated him even more because of his dreams and his words. The dream of the sheaves of corn. And the second dream, of course, similar of the sun, moon, and stars bowing down to him. It's easy to get a negative feeling about these dreams. But that, of course, is because Joseph told his brothers. And they didn't like what they were hearing. But step back from that and just consider the dream itself. I'm grateful for the insights of Dave Smith, the lead pastor at Kingsgate Church in Peterborough, in his book called Joseph, a book about Joseph called Living the Dream. Because this is what he says in his opening paragraph in the introduction to the book. The story of Joseph is a truly inspiring account of someone who literally lived his dream. It starts with a picture of a spoilt 17-year-old from a dysfunctional family who received a dramatic dream of future greatness. Clearly unprepared to live the dream, he underwent a long, hard 13-year period of testing and preparation before experiencing sudden and dramatic promotion to a position of huge influence and affluence 
at the age of 30. That sums it all up. It started with a dream. There's lots of messy stuff about Joseph in the early years. The coat, his brothers, the sharing of the dreams, the hostility, the slavery. But God had a plan revealed in a dream which turned into reality. That's the point for this morning. And today I really do believe that God has a plan for you and me in the years of life which remain and that we need to see what God is saying and doing and dream the dream and live the dream. Now we're looking at a teenager here. And you might say, well, that's all right for young people, but I'm at a different stage in my life. God's not got anything else to say to me or to show me or, or to, for me to do in what time is left. That's not true. These principles apply to all stages of life. We need to remember that God made us in the first place. In the words of Psalm 139, verse 13, it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God shaped us in the very beginning. But we also remember that, that God has his eye across the whole of life. In the words of Acts 17 and verse 26, from one ancestor, he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live. So you have the microscopic sense of God's control over the formation of every human life. And then you have the macro picture of God's sovereignty over the whole of creation. The involvement of God in the formation of every single person in their mother's womb. The involvement of God across the nations of the world in their times and their places. And this God has a purpose for you as well. God had opened the womb of Rachel such that Joseph was born after many years when Rachel had not been able to have children. Genesis 30 and verse 22. Then God remembered Rachel. God heeded her and opened her womb. And from that moment onwards, God had a purpose for Joseph. And he revealed something of that purpose in, in a dream. Now, in some cultures, dreams were taken very, very seriously. Considered as something prophetic and needing interpretation. Hence the discussions a little bit later in the Joseph story that we will come to about people who are qualified to interpret the dreams. Who was qualified to interpret other dreams? that happened further on in the story. And in Scripture as a whole, there is a slightly more varied approach to dreams. From what may seem that direct intervention of God to also the more trivial reflection of what had been going on the day before or something in life that has triggered a dream. So many important prophetic messages came through dreams. Dreams feature not just in the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, but in many of the stories of the prophets. Dreams feature strongly in the birth of Jesus Christ. But there's also a more commonplace understanding of dreams in the Bible. Ecclesiastes 5 
Verse 3 says, dreams come with many cares, a fool's voice with many words. And I think that simply means that sometimes the many cares that are on your mind stay with you at night and sometimes you dream as a consequence. But the point is that God has a purpose for your life and for my life as he did for Joseph, and he will reveal that in whatever way he chooses. It may be in a dream, or it may be in some other way, but God will bring to you that conviction as to what he is saying and what he is calling you to do. There may be a powerful moment, a particular circumstance, a deep conviction, and you know it's come from God. The way that God speaks is varied. But the reality of his call is very real. Joseph saw in a dream something of what God had in store for him. With the immaturity of his life at that point and the unfortunate favoritism already shown by his father and the growing hostility from his brothers, he didn't handle that vision particularly well. And it all got very messy at first. And then there was a long time of waiting. And with it, some deep darkness... 13 years, mostly in prison, as far as we can tell. But ultimately, there came the fulfillment of that dream. And I believe we need to grasp again that God is calling you, me, all of us to live a life that is opening out to his greater purposes and responding to his greater sense of call. There's something very important that I actually need to hear personally from this part of the Joseph story. One or two people are beginning to ask me what I might be doing when I retire from full-time ministry next year and what Francis might be doing and where we might be living and all this kind of thing. And we don't actually have many answers to all of that at the moment. From a human perspective, it looks a bit complicated. But I believe that God has a plan for us, that is, myself and Francis, my wife. I believe that God has a great plan for all of you as a congregation together here in Shirley Baptist Church. And those of you who were together for the church meeting last week will know that the discussion there focused particularly around a church profile document that will be an essential part of seeking a new minister. It has a forward-looking momentum about it. There is a sense of excitement, the kind of church we wish to be, the kind of minister that we're seeking. This is an exciting time. And whilst I look forward so much to continuing to lead and serve in the coming months, I also sense that we're beginning to see beyond that time and beginning to see the dream of what else might be opening up to us. God gave to Joseph a dream of what the future might look like. And eventually that dream came true. And the opposite to visionary thinking and God-given dreaming is stagnation and apathy. And that is a dangerous place to be. You may remember the authorized version of the verse in Proverbs 29, verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Ancient texts give some alternatives to the Hebrew wording there, but the message is clear. 
That God intends us to be a people who look forward with expectation and faith. And if there is no vision, then we will be in difficulty. So this is very, very important from the life of Joseph. Don't get hung up on the negatives of the early years of Joseph's life that were the consequences of his immaturity. Start by holding on to the fact that God spoke to him, that God gave him a dream, that ultimately that dream was fulfilled. Let me therefore, in closing, give you three final thoughts from this moment in Joseph's life. First, that the past does not disqualify you from living God's purpose now. Some of you may be thinking this is all very well for a teenager with the whole of life ahead of him, but we're at the other end of the spectrum and it's not relevant for us. Or you may be thinking that you've messed up so, far, so much as far as God is concerned. He may give dreams and visions and a sense of purpose to other people, but not to you. That is not true. I've seen so many people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, hearing afresh from God, grasping a new sense of purpose for their lives, stepping out in new ministry projects and expressing faith that has been life-transforming. I have also, just this week, been amongst a group who are starting their ministerial formation at Regent's Park College. Uh, I was there not exactly at the same time as John, but uh, uh, in the same week. And amongst the group that I was talking to was someone who is barely 20 and yet very clearly knowing that God is calling them into a lifetime of ministry. I've seen those who were in a complete mess, discovering forgiveness, new life and hope through Jesus Christ, stepping out into courageous ministry and mission. We all need to hear this word today. What God is wanting to do with you, in you, and through you, among you, in the coming years. Whatever stage of life you are at, God wants to give you a dream of what is to come. Think big and think forward. And the second message is that we have to distinguish between God-given dreams and human aspirations. And this is tricky. Because sometimes we long for things and we deeply desire things, but they do not come about. And it feels as if dreams remain unfulfilled and prayers unanswered. And ultimately, we'll only see the whole picture in heaven. And only then will we fully understand all the mysteries of our life here on earth. But I think it does help to recognize that sometimes we get things wrong. We don't necessarily understand what God is saying and doing. And then we need to come back to the Lord humbly and say, Lord, I'm really confused, but now show me the way. Let those dreams come true in the way that you want them fulfilled. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. So remember that the past does not disqualify you from living God's dream, that we do have to distinguish between God-given dreams and human aspirations, but we are positively encouraged 
to believe in God's purpose for us. In 1964, one man began quietly to buy up some land in central Florida for what he could only be termed the Florida Project. The project was shrouded in mystery as he gradually acquired 27,000 acres of wild swampland because he had a dream of building something exceptional. In October 1971, just seven years later, the doors of Walt Disney Resort in Orlando opened. Disney himself never lived to see the opening. But he'd already seen what it would look like because in his vision and his dream, he started to buy up the land. That, of course, was the dream of a human entrepreneur. We're in a different space. We're looking for God's dream. What he longs to achieve through your life and through my life. To see that. To walk in it. And to allow his spirit to bring it to completion.